Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Hey, welcome to Politico Tech. Today is Wednesday, December 20th. I'm Stephen Overly. A bipartisan House committee has spent much of the past year fixating on a critical question How can the U.S. be more competitive with China? Last week, it finally came up with an answer in the form of a legislative to-do list with nearly 150 suggestions. In all, the recommendations amount to a fundamental reset in the economic relationship between the U.S. and China. And the report makes clear that the race to be the world leader in technology is at the very center of it. Congressman Raja Krishnamurthy is the ranking member on that select House committee. On the show today, the Illinois Democrat explains the committee's recommendations and tells me where Congress should start. The Select Committee has now released this report with around 150 recommendations. The report has a big technology focus. Can you lay out for me a bit sort of the key themes where you see the U.S. you know, falling behind China or, or trying to keep up with China when it comes to technology? Sure. Maybe the best way to approach this is um, to treat this technology issue from the standpoint of how the report is organized. There are three sections. We call them three pillars to the report. One is um, basically what we call resetting the relationship between us and the CCP with regard to our trading relationship. The second is um, stemming the flow of U.S. capital and technology to fuel you know, CCP military modernization and human rights abuses. And the third is uh, investing in our workforce as well as our research and development initiatives to make sure that the U.S. remains the innovation and manufacturing leaders uh, with regard to high technology. And so the in the report, you know, as, as you said, you identify some areas where um, the U.S. can be more defensive and then more sort of offensive or, or proactive. And some of those areas include like developing um, and investing in key technologies, producing more people with technical skills. Can you give me more detail on sort of what that looks like? Let me take the the last part of what you said, which is making sure that you know, we have the workforce necessary to innovate in, in tech, technologies of the future. Unfortunately, um, I don't think that we've paid enough attention to this area, either in terms of investing in our own uh, workforce's skills to upskill them uh, for the jobs of the future, or in fixing our high-skilled immigration system to attract and retain uh, the top talent in the world to uh, you know, maintain our leadership. Uh, and of course, we haven't funded, you know, NSF or uh, NIST, National Institute of Standards and Technology, or the DOE's Office of Science, as we should have as part of the Chips and Science Act to, you know, fund basic research in these areas. And so we've identified different ways on a bipartisan basis, for instance, to establish, you know, work authorization for foreign nationals as part of our five eyes quad and NATO country partnerships uh, to kind of expedite their coming here to uh, help us in developing critical and emerging technology sectors. We've also identified ways to enhance our trade adjustment assistance programs to make sure that anybody who is 
um, you know, perhaps uh, affected by our trading relationships in a negative way are able to get skilled uh, in technologies of the future. We've also, um, you know, called for much greater investments in career technical education, which is a passion of mine in this Congress and in, in this and past Congress, Congresses to make sure that the two thirds of Americans who don't have a four year college degree um, are able to upskill into uh, the technology of the future, whether it's in AI or quantum or robotics. So those are just some of the things that on a bipartisan basis, we've all uh, recommended. The report has been described to me as kind of a legislative blueprint in some ways for 2024. Which of these recommendations are top priorities that you really would like to see tackled in the next year? That's like asking me which of my children are my favorite children. Um, I think that a lot of these uh, deserve uh, a lot of attention. And actually, there's already legislation that uh, incorporates a lot of these initiatives that are working their way through the committees of jurisdiction. And so we're going to try to give them a little nudge. I think that um, in some of these areas, however, there isn't legislation yet. And so we want to make sure that we craft that legislation and, and start pushing it forward. So, for instance, with regard to these workforce development issues or immigration issues, we haven't seen a lot of legislation move. Uh, for various reasons. And so we're going to need to kind of push those along. Also, you know, we need to do more with regard to, for instance, for instance, the domestic supply of critical minerals. Um, that has not really been taken up in this Congress. And yet we know that unless we do something significant on this issue, whether it's semiconductors, EV technology, uh, electric vehicle technology, or any number of other initiatives will be negatively impacted. And so that's also a priority as well. Well, I want to ask you on um, something you you mentioned earlier, which is the, the Chips and Science Act. You know, we saw Congress pass the Chips and Science Act and authorize this sort of ramp up in funding for the National Science Foundation and the National Institute of Standards and Technology, some of these federal agencies that that deal with these very issues. But the, those agencies are not even being funded yet at those levels. So I guess my question is, how realistic is it for Congress to allocate even more money to those agencies, as you seem to be you know, calling for here in this report? I guess it depends on how seriously people take this competition between the U.S. and the CCP with regard to technologies of the future. If you take it seriously, then you will understand that without this basic research, uh, we are not going to be able to innovate and lead the world in these technologies, um, you know, in the coming decades. Uh, you know, we had extensive testimony, including from folks like uh, Eric Schmidt, the former Google CEO, who came in and talked eloquently about how, uh, you know, without this basic research now, we're not going to be able to stay ahead in, you know, 10, 15, 20 years uh, in these particular areas, because there just isn't the incentive in the private sector to do this basic research on its own. Now, some of my colleagues on the other side say, look, we should have uh, an acceleration of the research and development tax credit, which, by the way, was stripped out of the tax code by the Trump tax cuts of 2017. And I agree with that. And that's that should also happen. But without 
you know, this basic research, we're not going to be hitting on all cylinders. You need to have both privately funded research, which I think the acceleration of the R&D tax credit will bring about, as well as uh, this public investment, which is, um, you know, helps with some of the blue sky ideas, which, uh, you know, private entities don't necessarily fund. So one of the issues that is mentioned in the report, which has long been talked about in Washington, is is TikTok and this idea of forcing the sale of TikTok or, or banning the app altogether. I mean, that seems, or to date, has seemed to be impossible to do. I mean, in part because it's a popular app among U.S. users. There's also sort of free speech issues that come into play when you talk about a ban. How do you overcome those obstacles to achieve what this report calls for? Well, I think this is the first time that such a large bipartisan group of people have actually come out for anything like this. And, and that's, a, that's important to note because I don't think that uh, this would have necessarily been possible several months ago. But I'll, but I'll point out two or three things that have happened since then that have, I think, nudged people increasingly in the direction of saying that you know, TikTok, the platform, um, is is potentially a, a national security threat. And by the way, I, I believe, I don't think TikTok should go dark. I don't think we want to necessarily see a ban as much as we want to see a forced sale, the same way that we have done with other social media apps that were controlled by the CCP. And we can get into that in a second. But a few of the things that have happened since mm. um, maybe the last major discussion of this uh, topic around the time that the TikTok CEO uh, testified before Congress is, um, you know, we had October 7th, which um, uh, really highlighted how certain content um, spread in a viral fashion on TikTok in a way that did not feel organic. And the best example of that is the letter from Osama bin Laden to the United States, which just utterly took off in a viral fashion, nobody quite understands how that happened, except that uh, what we've seen, and I think during uh, our last hearing on public discourse and the CCP, you know, Chairman Gallagher pointed out that a number of to- topics have been heated uh, or appear to be heated, uh, heated meaning amplified on the TikTok platform that aren't necessarily uh, on other platforms. We've seen enough data points here, which basically drive us to the conclusion that regardless of what TikTok says, regardless of what TikTok says about the security of data or the security of the algorithm, it doesn't matter if ByteDance has access to both the algorithm and the data and has a CCP cell embedded in the highest echelons of ByteDance saying that its products must comply with the correct political direction of the CCP. And so when you have that, I think that people are very, very concerned. We'll be right back. The Biden administration is moving forward with a slew of new regulations that put products like semiconductors, electric vehicles, modern healthcare technology, and clean energy at risk. Chemistry is essential to our modern lives, creating products to help foster a more sustainable and competitive future. The Biden administration must change its course and work with manufacturers on science-based policies that protect American innovation. Learn more at chemistrycreates.org. 
you mentioned examples of, you know, what has been done yes. in the past with other Chinese social media apps. Is there sort of an example that you think is illustrative of how Congress should deal with TikTok? Yes. Uh, look at Grindr. Grindr is the kind of number one LGBTQ online dating app. Uh, a CC, I'm sorry, a PRC-based company uh, attempted to acquire Grindr and actually in, um, I think in the late 2017, 2018, 2019 timeframe, the CFIUS process forced the Chinese company to divest Grindr because it contains so much sens- sensitive personal data of Americans, including officials of the government. And um, it was thought that this data could be used to blackmail or to be used as compromise against American officials. And so the PRC company was forced to divest Grindr. Nobody noticed anything uh, about the use use of Grindr at that point. It it, it continued to operate just the way it did before. And I think that that was an illustration of how, you know, we could see TikTok uh, be treated as well. I'm curious what role you see for the Biden administration to play here, because over the past two years, you know, the Biden administration has expanded trade restrictions on critical technologies like microchips. It's imposed new oversight rules for Americans investing in in certain Chinese technology sectors. Obviously, you you think more should be done here. Um, What more could the administration be doing, maybe without Congress even needing to act? Well, I think the administration has taken some important first steps with regard to export controls, which we talked about um, in terms of you know making sure that our highest end semiconductor chips aren't fueling Chinese military modernization or human rights abuses. They've also taken some first steps with regard to um, capital controls with regard to uh, venture capital funds uh, investing in AI or quantum computing or robot or high-end um, semiconductor entities in, in China for the same reasons. I think that uh, where we need to continue to, um, uh, you know, encourage the administration to go on this is, uh, you know, we have a number of entities that are on different lists um, and still they are uh, – they are on various sanctions lists, either the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act or any number of um, other entity lists, including commerce entity lists, where they, they continue to receive investments. That doesn't make sense. I think we have to harmonize the lists. We also have to um, you know, look at passive investments, uh, including from mutual funds. Uh, we have to look at active investments, uh, including, you know, the investments in variable interest entities, VIEs, uh, which have been all the rage on Wall Street, by the way, um, even though these investments end up being in not the fundamental company, but actually in uh, offshore uh, Caribbean companies with, um, you know, basically arrangements with the, which the Chinese government has already said is illegal and therefore could declare the entire investments to be uh, null and void. So those are the types of other vehicles that the American government needs to look into. I want to end with a, just a couple quick questions here on sort of what comes next now that this report is out and, and you've made all of these recommendations. You know, I guess one question I have is the 
committee worked in a very bipartisan way, as you said, to come up with these recommendations. To what extent do your fellow Democrats in Congress agree with these recommendations? And and how do you bring them along if this continues to, to move forward in a bipartisan way? I think the most important thing is to increase awareness of, of some of these issues uh, among both Democrats and Republicans. I think um, a lot of them are already aware, but I think you know bringing these details um, to their attention and saying it's time to act is important. Um, I think that the administration also has a role to play in uh, you know continuing to provide technical assistance to us with regard to key pieces of legislation that they want to see move forward um, and then having them also explain the importance of the legislation for their agenda. Um, And then finally, I think outside stakeholders need to continue to uh, play a role because they too, you know, have, uh, they are opinion leaders. uh, They have influence uh, with lawmakers. And so there are numerous constituencies, whether they are human rights groups or whether they are, um, private firms that are affected by these issues. And I think that they will, you know, their, their voice needs to be, be heard as well. And have you gotten any commitments from, you know, any of the House committees or, or particular lawmakers to take up any of these recommendations, you know, in the, in the new year? I think that, you know, many of these committees of jurisdiction have been working with us on, on this report. And I think that, uh, you know, they have indicated to us that they are looking forward to us working with them, you know, in the new year. Obviously, it it happens to be an election year as well. So, you know, there's going to be all kinds of interesting twists and turns that we need to uh, be mindful of. And, you know, my, my hope is that we can move uh, sooner rather than later in the new year before we run smack dab into the election calendar as well. Excellent. Well, Congressman, thank you for joining us on Politico Tech. Hey, thanks so much. That's all for today's Politico Tech. For more tech news, subscribe to our newsletters, Digital Future Daily and Morning Tech. Music in today's episode comes from the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Our senior producer is Annie Reese. Our editors are Steve Heuser, Daniela Cheslow, and Louisa Savage. I'm Stephen Overly. See you back here tomorrow.